and then they go. One of them goes, a mick who shouts, Geronimo! There are four turnstiles just beyond the pair of ticket booths. The youngest boy is also the scrawniest, Cotter Martin by name. Scrawny tall in a polo shirt and dungarees and trying not to feel doomstruck. He's located near the tail of the rush, running and shouting with the others. You shout because it makes you brave or you want to announce your recklessness. They have made their faces into scream masks, tight-eyed, with stretchable mouths, and they are running hard, trying to funnel themselves through the lanes between the booths, and they bump hips and elbows and keep the shout going. The faces of the ticket sellers hang behind the windows like onions on strings. Cotter sees the first jumpers go over the bars. Two of them jostle in the air and come down twisted and asprawl. A ticket taker puts a headlock on one of them, and his cap comes loose and skims down his back, and he reaches for it with a blind swipe. And at the same time, everything's at the same time, he eyes the other hurdlers to keep from getting stepped on. They are running and hurdling. It's a witless form of flight with bodies packed in close and the gate crashing becoming real. They are jumping too soon or too late and hitting the posts and radio bars, doing cartoon climbs up each other's back. And what kind of stoops must they look like to people at the hot dog stand on the other side of the turnstiles? What kind of awful screw-ups? A line of mostly men beginning to glance this way, jaws working at the sweaty meat and grease bubbles flurrying on their tongues, the gent at the far end going dead still, except for a hand that produces automatic movement, swabbing on mustard with a brush. The shout of the motley boys comes banging off the deep concrete. Cotter thinks he sees a path to the turnstile on the right. He drains himself of everything he does not need to make the jump. Some are still jumping, some are thinking about it. Some need a haircut. Some have girlfriends in woolly sweaters. And the rest have landed in the ruck and are trying to get up and scatter. A couple of stadium cops are rumbling down the ramp. Cotter sheds these elements as they appear, sheds a thousand waves of information hitting on his skin. His gaze is trained on the iron bars projected from the post. He picks up speed and seems to lose his gangliness, the slouchy funk of hormones and unbelonging and all the stammering things that seal his adolescence. He is just a running boy, a half-seen figure from the streets. But the way running reveals some clue to being, the way a runner bears himself to consciousness, this is how the dark-skinned kid seems to open to the world, how the blood rush of a dozen strides brings him into eloquence. Then he leaves his feet and is in the air, feeling sleek and unmussed and sort of businesslike, flying in from Kansas City with a briefcase full of bank drafts. His head is tucked, his left leg is clearing the bars, and in one prolonged and aloof and discontinuous instant he sees precisely where he'll land and which way he'll run, and even though he knows they will be after him the second he touches the ground, even though he'll be in danger for the next several hours, watching left and right, there is less fear in him now. He comes down lightly and goes easy-gating past the ticket-taker groping for his fallen cap, and he knows absolutely 
knows it all the way, deep as knowing goes. He feels the knowledge start to hammer in his runner's heart that he is uncatchable. Here comes a cop in municipal bulk, with a gun and cuffs and a flashlight and a billy club all jiggling on his belt, and a summons pad wadded in his pocket. Cotter gives him a juke step that sends him nearly to his knees, and the hot dog eaters bend from the waist to watch the kid veer away in soft acceleration, showing the cop a little finger wag bye-bye. He surprises himself this way every so often, doing some gaudy thing that whistles up out of unsuspected whim. He runs up a shadowed ramp and into a crossweave of girders and pillars and spilling light. He hears the crescendoing last chords of the national anthem and sees the great open horseshoe of the grandstand and that unfolding vision of the...